0: This is the Poetry in Motion podcast on the Blood Red channel with Neil Fitzmorris, bringing you all the big news and even bigger views on Liverpool FC.
1: Uh, hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Poetry in Motion with me, Neil Fitzmorris. I hope you're well. Whatever you're doing, walking the dog out, having a run, having a jog on the bike, whatever you're doing outdoors or indoors, thank you once again for supporting all of the Blood Red podcasts. We literally would be just talking to ourselves without you. Yeah, so uh, thank you very much for that. Uh, whether it's Ali Rouge, whether it's Poetry in Motion or all the brilliant um, Blood Red podcasts that the Echo provide, thank you very much for your consistent support. Um, I am joined by two other um, heavyweights in the... Uh, You've been listening to the Poetry in Motion podcast We have on Dan the Kay, of course. Channel. Hello, Dan, how are you,
0: pal? I thought I'd lost a bit of beef, actually. So, but, uh, Poetry yeah, in Motion on the Blood Red channel. I'm heavyweight, but... Yeah, not too bad. Made up with the the win last night. Lovely to get qualification boxed off with two to spare, and we can concentrate on that league for a bit now.
1: Absolutely. I was talking heavyweight and reputation and stature, of course, not waistline. <laughs> uh, Mark Wakefield joins us as well. Hello, Mark. How are you, pal?
2: I'm all right. I'm definitely heavyweight when it comes to waistline. <laughs> but, uh, although, yeah, apart from that, sound, mate. Absolutely sound. I'm not going to
1: judge, Sean. I can't only see it from the shoulders up, so whatever. <laughs> you know, if it was a blind date, I wouldn't be disappointed. Uh, listen... Guys, let's talk about the mighty Reds. Uh, we've had lots. Of, the last time we had it, we had a pod, uh, the last poetry emotion pod. We were just about kind of gearing up for the Man United game. What a dream that turned out to be! I mean, look, I've always had this thing, guys, where I go to. Ever since a kid, whenever big games came up, United, well, you know, latterly the cities of the world, but never really. Um, certainly, derbies, important games. I would always go to bed and try and manufacture a dream. That Freddy Krueger thing of trying to dream without him. It would always be, I'd, li- I'd close my eyes. I mean, this is from a kid up to up to the night before the Man United game, you know, the night. Nice. And I always sim- I I kind of make up a scenario where we're three or four nil up and everything goes in, Everything every touch goes in and everything. And I just, yeah, and I drift off to some wonderful sleep. Uh, it very rarely comes, comes uh, out that way. But uh, against United, Danke, uh, you know, nightmare land for United, but absolute dream world for all those Liverpool fans, certainly there who can boast, you know, that they were there that day, but everyone watching around the world and certainly at home. Uh, what a performance and, and what a wonderful result.
0: It really was very special, Neil. I, w- I was lucky enough to be in the away end at Old Trafford, uh, was it 10 or 11 days ago? And even though Liverpool have played twice, the three times since then now on the back of last night, it's still, I think I'm still... Digesting it, it's still kind of sinking in. I think it's only really as the season goes on and you kind of look at the, the full context of it that, uh, you know, the, the real weight of what Liverpool accomplished that day will will become clear. I mean, you know, 5 0 was wonderful. It, let's have it right. It could have been 10. It maybe should have been a few more than that. That being said, 5 0 at Old Trafford does not happen very often. It, you know, it, it, it literally the first time it's ever happened there we only ever beaten Everton away five 0 once, the, the famous uh, Rushy game in in 1982, um, and it was, it it, 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 I think you summed it up perfectly. It really was like a dream. Um, you know, I worked it out um, a couple of days afterwards. I think that this was the 21st time that I'd attended that fixture at Old Trafford, and i have seen a few good wins, you know, in, in the past there, the four one under under Rafa, the three 0 under Rodgers, but they always kind of felt. Kind of like a win in isolation, and there was always that little, as buzzing as we were, traipsing back down the M62 back to civilization, as I always like to call it. You always kind of thought we might have won the battle, but will they win the war? And you know, and that you know tended to be the case back then. This was different. You know, we went down there knowing we were a far superior side to theirs, but there was again there was this little thing in the back of your mind. One of the kind of anomalies of this fixture is. It, Often the weaker team tends to do well. You know, when we were great in the eighties, we, we could hardly beat United. Similarly, when United were ruling the roost in the nineties and the 2000s, we had a great record. Gary Neville was, was making great play on Monday Night Football a few days, you know, the week before that. Carrig is nervous. he was fancying himself, but for you know, from literally the first couple, the first couple of minutes, once and obviously, you know, that big chance that Bruno Fernandez had after two or three minutes, which was still nil nil. Moments like that change games, don't they? But from the minute we carved them open with my ma- ma- magnificent goal from back to front, that let they end up with Salah and Catering, it was just a procession. And you know, I think the overwhelming You know, the first couple of goals were of greeting in the away end with a fair degree of you know the usual intensity and limbs and, and people going off their heads. After that, it was just laughing. People were just in bulk. You couldn't believe what we were seeing in front of us. Um, so I'm sure we'll get on to Brighton and everything afterwards. And like you, I was there on, on Saturday as well and, and was a bit concerned by that, by that second-half performance. But when you take yourself out of it a little bit, I actually kind of came to the conclusion that maybe it wasn't the worst thing in the world, a little bit of a reality check like Brighton, just to keep the feet on the ground. Because obviously, inevitably, there were a hell of a lot of plaudits and, and justified plaudits coming Liverpool's way after that absolute annihilation of our bitter rivals from down the East Lanks.
1: Yeah, absolutely, Dan. And Mark, it was one of those things really where when you... Dan mentioned the weaker team often doing well, but when you look at United on paper, this is a, this is a, a very expensive, very uh, um, you know, put to, well put together team, if you like, on paper with your Ronaldo's and you and your, I know Pogba didn't get on until the second half, but this was as strong basically as United gets, really, wasn't it? On paper, when you look at them, and it was a capitulation, wasn't it? It was it was a, they were just played off the park and. You know, it was it was ten around the nine or ten minutes before we put our first stamp on the game with a goal, and it, it was just one way traffic, wasn't it? They were like Dan says, first open the move when they they did that lovely little move and swept it across, and then Fernandez blazes it. Um and then you kind of thought oh, it's going to be one of the afternoons, but it was just um, it was just such a domination for Liverpool, wasn't it? One of the goals we scored, we only had ten men on the pitch because had briefly gone off and was waiting to go back on. I mean, it was just an annihilation, wasn't it? A wonderful spectacle for Liverpool fans.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think if ever you needed a, an example of Liverpool being a team and Man United being a group of individuals, I think this this was pretty much it. You know, just take it in isolation. Players that United had, you know, like Ronaldo, Fernandez, you know, Rashford, all those guys that they had on. You know, they absolutely could argue they were world-class players on their own right, but, you know, they don't seem to be a cohesive unit like on a regular basis. They could turn up in the odd games and have the moments that they have done in the games before that. But what Liverpool did and have proven to do is the have that collectiveness and as a group and you know we'll t- get on to Brighton but um the minor night again what it showed for me I mean well you just got la- you were laughing towards the end I think the arguably the funniest moment of the whole game was Ronaldo's goal being disallowed for offside which <laughs> you know you're watching it is absolutely it is a very very good goal and unfair well obviously it was offside but it was harshly done to be ruled that because it was a very good finish from him but you know it was just just wasn't didn't seem real, you know. I mean, me personally, I, I don't celebrate goals very often these days because of VAR, and that's a whole other conversation. But you know, the first two goals, you were just like couldn't believe it, and then when Salah scores, that's like when you're like, yeah, that's when the celebrations properly, for me personally, started coming in because it just started getting beyond the bounds of ridicule. Because you know, as a fan who grew up like in the late nineties or probably early two thousand, when I started probably remembering football, you know, it's always been. United have been always levels above us, and then the last few years, it's we've replaced them in that. But um, yeah, like you say five nil is like it's never happened in what is it over a hundred years, if ever, um, at that place. So I doubt it'll ever have ever, ever happened again. You know, that game will go down just like like the Russia game in, in eighty two against Everton. This will be remembered in a similar way. But you know, in terms and in years to come, that will be seem real. But as of right now, it still just doesn't feel right. You know, I'm. I don't know how many times people have watched the highlights. If you like myself, I've watched it about a million times since then. You just watch it, and you just think, especially the first couple of goals, you just think, what's going on? It just seems like a training exercise. As like the fourth goal, I think it's when, uh, like you said, when we were down to 10 men, you just seem like they're just walking it in. And, you know, I'm sure United will have the highs like they got out of trouble again against Atalanta the other night. And they'll probably do that a handful of occasions between now and the end of the season again while Solskjaer's is still there. But yeah, in terms of, Difference between the two teams is one plays as a group and one plays individually, and that was never more evident than that. They are all trafficked,
1: yeah, absolutely. And, 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 and well, Dan was saying as well, it could have been seven or eight, nil, it could have been more. And thank god it wasn't because five just about keeps him in his job. Um, <laughs> and, and equally, so does you know, winning 3 2 at Atalanta when you were getting beat, and then getting the last minute equaliser against Atalanta, he just about does enough. For the board and for everyone trying to who, who are thinking of trying to replace them to to, to to pull their head out. But having said that, it makes you wonder whether they're in a financial position to actually replace them anyway. Because you'd have thought it a team like United would have looked at this by now and said this needs to change. But it seems like they've gone through a revolving door of managers. And then at that stage where they're thinking, Well, who do we get in? Who's who's not going to cost us a fortune? Conte has been seized upon by Tottenham. Unfortunately, Nuno, I really like as a person, it does, it hasn't worked out yet even after four months, you don't get that much grace in the football, do you? Um, he's getting replaced by Conte. It's going to cost a lot of money, £100 million. He reckons transfer budget already he's, being, he's going to be given. Although January windows are very—you uh, uh, know notoriously bad to buy anyone from anyway. But Liverpool just seem to have done enough there to keep Ollie in his job. And then Oli's done it since. So thankfully, um, they, will, uh, they will keep him running as long as he possibly can. One of my highlights, certainly from, from, from the United game, was that wonderful... Outside of the foot pass from Henderson to Salah, um, the cut right through the United team in front of Alex Ferguson, the man who didn't rate him and thought that he had a funny a funny gait that he couldn't run properly. He ran with his elbows tucked in, and he uh, wasn't a United player. Well, to see that ball bending its way around an entire United team to the feet of of Mo Salah was just extraordinary, and um, that was one of my highlights. I think he's been he's been outstanding, hasn't he? Um, Jordan Henderson, and, and that was just a wonderful little moment from him. We'll go, go on now then to the Brighton game. I went to the Brighton game Saturday. Uh, obviously, you know, very pumped um, because of uh, of the situation they put up in. Naby Cater back on the pitch. Uh, obviously, we'd, we'd missed him uh, after the United game because of um, because of that injury or the the, the the tackle from Pogba. But he was back playing. We thought, great, here we go. You know, this is this. He scores. He scored three goals. Really, really good goals. Um, on a bit of a run, and then, uh, you know, seemingly the first half was in the bag, wasn't it? We were 2 0 up, um, looked like it was going to be a, 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 another great day at the office. And then for me, you know, Nabi Kater goes down innocuously. I, I didn't even see the instance, as I said before. I looked down at his shoes, looked up, and he was landing on the floor. He goes off with a hamstring injury, and then Danke, um, you know, it, it sort of illustrates, doesn't it? The, um, the really kind of, um, delicate situation Liverpool are in them on with injuries and, and with, with replacements in that particular in that particular part of the field.
0: Yeah, I mean it's, it's you know it's, it feels like the footballing version of Sod's Law, doesn't it? Whereas you know, in the same way that if you if you drop your piece of toast more often than not it's gonna it's gonna fall down with the button side hitting the floor. It seems like if you do take a chance and not uh, take a chance and not maybe bolster yourself in an area that that needs it that's going to be where the bulk of your injuries are going to be, uh, are going to happen, which is obviously, as we all know, as was discussed to the endless degree last season, that's what happened with the defence. And so far this season, that's what's happened uh, in midfield. And, you know, I think particularly on Saturday night, after that, you know, very disappointing result, um, I think there were, you know, quite a few conversations being had in boozes around Banfield and probably living rooms and chat rooms all over the world. And that, you know, it is... Is history going to repeat itself? You know, Have Liverpool got themselves into a bind that's that's ultimately going to kind of handicap them going forward? We're all made up, obviously, to see Fabino and Thiago back in training on Monday. And they both featured against um, Atletico Madrid on Wednesday night. So hopefully those two are coming out the woods. But obviously both of them are... Well, I think Thiago's over 30, isn't he? And Fabinho's nudging 30. And both of them have chequered injury records as it is. And... Um, and, and then, and then we end up with getting another injury last night with um, with Firmino. You know. I think you know the, the Liverpool have made these decisions over the last couple of years. They they want to run the club in a certain way, and they you know apart from making the odd exception here and there, they're not going to deviate from what they see as best practice. And you know it's hard to argue too strongly against it because look at what it has been achieved in the last four or five years. It, but it's never going to be bulletproof. It's never going to always. Work out exactly the way you want 100 percent of the time, and you've you know we've, you've just got to hope that they're able. You know, particularly as we head into the winter periods, uh, with obviously the games coming thick and fast. Right, thankfully we can kind of put Europe to bed a little bit. But what is it? Nine games, I think Liverpool and I looking to will be playing in uh, in December, um, with with the the, the Carabao Cup quarter final against Leicester now having been scheduled for three days before Christmas. So it's going to need some very very careful manipulation of the squad from Klopp, I think. To try and just ease the squad through each particular test that comes to them. And just going back to Saturday, because I, I do think we have to give Brighton a little bit of credit. They, you know, they, they were fifth going into the game. I think they actually dropped down the place, having only got a point. But they, they, they probably should have won. You know, if they had a nick that, if they had a nick to win a second half, I don't really think we could have had any complaints at all. And I wonder if, even though it certainly didn't feel like it when we were traipsing out the ground at Saturday tea time, it might end up being not a bad point in the end. Um, time will tell. Obviously, you know, for me, the biggest concern of it was, you know, you can draw games, you can lose games, but it's not like the Brighton goal. had a worldie and we were hitting the post and crossbar. And after after Brighton equalised, what midway through the second half, Liverpool didn't really create another worthwhile chance. And that for me was more of a concern really than the actual two drop points, because obviously City, City dropped three points at home to Palace, not they? Chelsea won. And that, you know, obviously, as as we'll get on to, that's why I was very much enthused by what happened at Anfield last night against Atletico, in that Liverpool seemed to have that kind of verve back about them, that spark back about them that was, you know, quite sorely missing at Anfield last Saturday.
2: Poetry in motion on the blood red channel.
1: Yeah, and I think it does all go all, uh, all sort of tend to stem back to the fact that if you don't have that anchor in midfield player. Um, like Fabinho, are uh, catered against Brighton, who seem to be doing a good job. You know, their engine rooms, aren't either they they're running around. They're allowing other players to move forward. oxlade is a prime example last night. He had a great game going forward because he knows that he's got people behind him. But if you try to get him to hold, it's not going to happen. I mean, I know Henderson sort of strip off him, I think, it was after the equaliser Brighton scored, the second equaliser, uh, the second goal. And he was screaming at him because he was clearly leaving gaps. And, you know, Henderson was running around trying to do the job of two two midfielders, really. But when, when you have that... When you have that stability of a Fabinho in the back, the rest are allowed to go forward. So I think that you know that they're, they're definitely linked. You know what I mean? In, in and that's that's the concern really is that we are on a bit of a knife edge, I think, Mark, throughout the season because we don't really I mean, we should have in a sense that you know Thiago can do that job as well, I suppose, but it is worrying, isn't it, to think that to to think that if we take Fabinho the side or you take a whole midfield out the game like we did against Brighton and they become a completely different animal, Liverpool.
2: Yeah, I suppose. I mean, you know, I mean, Fabinho is a world class player, I think well, the last few years if you've seen how good he is, and the fact that he stepped in at centre back for large portions of last season and did it almost seamlessly barring the odd mistake, you know, just shows how good he is. And like Klopp and Klopp and probably most of the Liverpool recruitment team will argue is well, we need someone like him. How many other players are there in the transfer market like him that he can go and get at a reasonable price, which, let's be honest, like down to there, that's the only kind of market that Liverpool deal in, they're not one of these Man City's or United's or Chelsea's who got quite happy to go and splash out 100 million pounds on the perfect play. You know, they signed you know, Van Dyke for 75 and Allison for upwards more than 60 a few years ago, but they haven't done anything like that since then. Um, in terms of sizeable fees, they signed Canati for in the 30s, but that's you know, that's just the market that they're dealing with. Now, I don't think we can how we go too much about whether obviously been a lot been made about or oh, should they have signed a wine replacement? I mean, another thing that's we've seen as well is Firmino going off injured against Atletico. You know, a striker was mooted about what we should have needed in the summer. And I think that's probably more of a case right now. I know it's it's a bit unfortunate with the midfield injuries, but you no know, Firmino, this is his second hamstring injury, I think, because I think it was his hamstring when he went off against Chelsea. Uh, of the third game of the season I think if I'm right or something like a muscle injury where he went off in a similar circumstance so this is already his second injury and uh, and he's 30 as well so there will be questions about his fitness going forward especially playing this high intense team and especially his role which is behind you know Fabinho and maybe even like Salah of course he's one of the most important players with how he's the clue that fits the midfield and the forward lines together so you now we can always look Seems smarter in, in retrospect than in hindsight. You know, last year we said, oh, they should have signed a centre back, but I think that was a bit more obvious than now because, you know, look at the midfield options, you know, Thiago, Henderson, Fabinho, Oxley, Chablin, Cater, Jones. You could throw some youngsters in there as well. We you know, there's certainly enough in there to go into a season with just, oh, and James Milner as well. We've not mentioned him and he's got sidelined as well. You no, know, there's enough options there. So it's just, again, sod's law that. However, many of it is now, I've got sidelined at the same time. You know, if one or two get sidelined at a time and it happens over the course of the season, it doesn't get talked about. But the fact that it's all happening at once is why people are talking about it. And you can't plan for, oh, what if five midfielders go down at the same time? Let's go get someone in. Go and get someone in. And then you're going to sit on the bench and you might play a cup game. But if this happens, then we'll need you. You can't work like that, especially a club like Liverpool who only sign players when they're absolutely essential. and you know, that pitch is not essential. So, you know, but in terms of going forward, you know, we've got Fabinho coming back. He's uh, back, uh, obviously played an hour against Atletico. Tiago looked good, although it wasn't exactly the most you know, tough game that he could have against Atletico. Basically, train next side for that last half hour, wasn't it? So, you know, well, they'll be all right in terms of that. I'm sure of it. But like I say, it's just a bit, because of what happened last year, it's always going to be a bit of like, you know, is it going to happen again? But yeah, personally, I think it'll be all right in the long run.
1: Yeah, absolutely, mate. Well, let's let's move forward positive. I mean, we stormed our way through the last 16 of uh, the Carabao Cup. You know, yeah. probably in everyone's minds, the most important cup of all, I think. Um, but we are in the, in the draw for the next round of that. And then uh, Athletic Madrid putting them to bed last night. Let's talk about that game because there's something about them, isn't there? There's just something about that team, Simeone. Simeone's at the peak of the of the pyramids, isn't he? At the tip of the pyramids and then you go down. It's just an... they just come across as a nasty little side, don't they? A little kind of... A little Yorkshire terrier nipping at your ankles, aren't they? And, and, and we've got a bit of history with them anyway. You know, I mean, they, they kind of saw us off, if you like, in our last campaign. Um, and they were the last team to come here before the lockdown as well, weren't they, of course? Um, and there's just something about putting them to bed. I mean, Luis Suarez being in as well. A, a one-time hero, but, you know, self... Made villain, if you like, after his Barcelona exploits, but um, it, it, we went to their place, you know, uh, did them in the first time in a long time. Nobody's beat them there for a long, long time. Come here, and we put them to bed uh, resolutely last night, didn't we, Dan?
0: There are a bunch of narcs, aren't they? You know, to use the, the, the local vernacular, and p- particularly the away, you know, the away game two weeks ago. I took an enormous amount of um, optimism and, and heart from that because. You know, this is a wonderful Liverpool side, one of the best of all time. There's, there's absolutely no question about that. But, and, and I think you know, I think they've got, I think we've got a little bit gnarlier as, and 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 savvier and street and streetwise as time's gone on. But I'm sure you know the, the, we don't pick up many yellow cards, we don't pick up many red cards, which I'm not saying is a criticism. But I think particularly the, the two legs against them in the in the two years ago, when obviously when we got knocked out, I think there was a little bit of naivety there and there was a bit of a parallel, obviously, in terms of what happened last night in both. So the, the first game in 2020 and last night, Sadio Mane was basically substituted at half time to avoid him getting sent off. Now that was a problem, particularly in the first leg in 2020 because A, we were a goal down, we were away from home. We had, we actually, I I, went to, I was at that game in Madrid and we played quite well and, and, I was a bit annoyed with the clock to be honest, for taking him off because even though I could see why he'd done it, I kind of thought he's one of your most senior players. You know, you, you surely you've got to have a little bit of trust in him. I think I think I'm right in saying the only time he's ever been sent off for Liverpool was that game at Man City years ago for the high boots on Edison. So it's not you know he is one of those kind of players that is going to put tackles in, that's going to be, play on the edge a little bit like Suarez, but maybe not quite as in your face. But anyway. Um, <laughs> Last night, it looked to me like Liverpool felt they had a little bit, a little bit of a point to prove. I think for their own professional pride and whatever, what happened on, in, the, you know, in the last hour against Brighton last Saturday probably weighed a little bit heavy on them. Also, as well, there was this enormous carrot in front of them of win the game, particularly knowing the because because the other game in the group had been played earlier, we knew that we knew that with Porto having not picked up three points, a win would not just seal qualification; it would win the group with two games to go. And I know Klopp said after the game about, oh, well, you know, there's still lots of money to play for. It's you know, like two and a half million for every Champions League group game win, I think you get. So, there's still five million pounds, which I can't imagine the owners will be pleased if he names a one to eleven of reserves. But he is now in this position where he can rest legs, be, be under no pressure at all for his squad selection and team selection for those two games. And the football we, we played was magnificent. Trent, you know, Trent's was absolutely on fire. Two wonderful uh, assists to get the couple of goals early on. I would have liked to really see this go to town on them a little bit. It's often the way, isn't it, when, when, when a, um, a team has a man sent off. It can actually make life harder for the opposition sometimes because they could just throw everybody behind the ball now. And I think from Atletico's point of view, it was a case of damage limitation. They knew they weren't going to come back. But it, you know, it, it would probably be quite a close fight for second place now between them and Porto. So they were probably looking at a goal difference and, and looking to keep it to two 0 or two one, um, and Liverpool in this lovely position have really been able to kind of cruise. One of the things I was going to mention about the United game, um, it, 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 in a similar kind of position, we almost kind of like declared to use a cricket expression with you know half an hour to, half an hour to go, and one of my worst ever defeats at Old Trafford was the four nil in two thousand and three when Hippie was sent off after five minutes. And we all just wanted to get off, to be honest. But you're locked in there for 85 minutes. And I always remember Ferguson saying after the game, I think United, would, it, was, it was just before the Champions League quarter, I think they were playing Real Madrid. And Ferguson said after the game that we were able to play in the second half without running. And I thought that was such a, a burn, you know what I mean? Such an insulting, such a damning indictment of that Liverpool side, really. And that's what we were able to do at Old Trafford. And to a certain extent, able to do as well last night because... There's another
1: very big game coming up at the weekend uh, against West Ham down in that London. Yeah, absolutely. There's some wonderful editing on the uh, Man United game, wasn't there? When they showed the, when they showed Fakes and blowing his cheeks up and then cuts it out, he's laughing his head off. It was beautiful. Whoever whoever, whoever was in the gallery decided to put them two little clips together. Deserves a pat on the back, definitely. Yeah, well, uh, t It yeah, should be. It's going to have to be. And it? it's going to be <laughs> it, shirt. Is. Uh, it is already on it, isn't it? Yeah, good, good, good. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, there was just something about last night's game, as I say, putting them to bed, and, and the position they're in, a the twenty-five consecutive unbeaten games. He just lays down record after record, doesn't he, Klopp? And he's got them. He's got that machine well oiled again, hasn't he? And 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 um, it was a real professional performance last night, Mark, wasn't it? When they came, they wanted, they know, they knew the job they had to do as well. They came, and. Um, And we just, from the front foot, just just unsettled them, didn't we? And when they go 2-0 down, that's when the desperation of of a team like that comes in. That's when they're they're niggling, aren't they? I thought Sadio Manny got chopped quite a few times. The referee was having none of it on on, on three or four occasions. But um, uh, when that guy went down, when Felipe went down the back of his leg and then just... I'm still confused as to whether the red card was due to the fact of the tackle and his absolute lack of turning around and acknowledging it and walking away from the referee or whether the ref just thought that was a straight red anyway. I'm not really sure, but... But it was a really professional job, wasn't it? it kept Simeone quiet. Um, Suarez getting subbed off just seemed to tick all the boxes as well because he felt like he'd, you know, he he'd lost his chance to try and get any kind of revenge and stuff. Even though he did score, but it was disallowed. But all in all, one of them games where you just go, as Dan's just said, we've got two games to go in the Champions League. He can't afford to rest key players, Carney. Now and 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 that's invaluable with this season, isn't it, Mark?
2: Yeah, I'm just going back onto Simeone, I think yeah. You know, it is very, very satisfying to get one up on him, you know, after how he celebrated that Anfield, you know, with the last game before lockdown. I think he didn't he run down the touchline to the Atletico fans a bit. I think he reminds me of a modern day Mourinho, the way he sets his teams up and he just gets under his skin. You know, he's just one of those managers that you just you just love to beat. But, um, and he was absolutely anything, the exact opposite of what his normal, you know, his body language, just how he is and how the team played pretty much last night was just exactly the opposite of what he. And Atletico normally do, but yeah, getting qualification done, getting top spot done. Now, I I can't remember that happening certainly in my lifetime, probably it's probably happened at some point in some form of competition, but I can't remember it. I'm not wise enough to remember it, but it's certainly going to be interesting what Klopp does with his team section. Maybe not so much with the next game against Porto, but when they've got Milan at the San Sierra, which, you know, his own words, he's not been there before, he's excited about it. You know, they've got the cup. Line, uh, League Cup final against Leicester a few days after that, or a week or so after that. I'm not sure how the dates fall. And in my eyes, that's a much more important game because there's actually a trophy on the line there, which, you know, is with Man City getting knocked out, is certainly up for grabs. Like the even pretty much every team in that left in that competition will have a, a shout of trying to win the thing. So that is certainly going to be interesting. But then Klopp said it after the game against Atletico, you know, each Champions League group win is worth a couple of hot two and a half million pounds, which is like what, 10 times more than win the whole Carabao Cup together, which is you no know, strange in itself. So, it will be interesting where the priorities lie in terms of teams selection. Like Dan said, I don't expect him to go 1-11 to reserves, um, similar to what he did against, you know, Town in the FA Cup a couple of years ago. I don't expect that one bit, but I expect them to be some form of alteration. I mean, if we go back to last season when they played midland away and they'd already secured qualification, he's still named... A handful of first team starters in that game and let's not let's and not forget I was about to say Jota got injured and was out for about two, mm. you know, three two three months after that so yeah. hopefully Klopp learns his lesson from that and go you know what maybe not every not all the key players but certainly the, the main ones who you can't afford to be without unless you know, there's nothing on the line. Let's let's show how much faith that we have in these guys that we, I in my own words will say that they are good enough to pay for Liverpool and good enough to start for Liverpool. Let's prove it you know we, there's nothing on the line but you're playing against a tough team in Europe. Um but yeah it's certainly it's it's uncharted territory in the fact that we've not it's not happened in the last few years, but then you know it's the best situation could possibly have, you know, beating Atletico Madrid both both times, which personally I wouldn't have seen come in because if there was one team I didn't want when the group was made, it was Atletico because they're just so difficult to beat. You could have given me Bayern, Barca, Real Madrid, all those sides, you know. We could a goal to Toast them, but last go. I've always of those ones I do get under your skin, especially with the history of the fact that they were the team to knock us out before. So, yeah, I mean, it was a fantastic win. You know, I think a bit of procession in the end, a bit of a training exercise, a bit boring from being honest, especially second half. You know, it was just everyone knew the result, it was just a matter of what the scoreline was going to be. And, you know, I've not a bit of dodgy finishing from uh, Jota and Matip in the, last, in the second half, which was probably won by a few more, but you no. Know, at the end of the day, we won the game and you know in years to come we won't remember, you know, but the missed chances we'll just remember that the top spot was secured and let's just see who we get when the draw's made, whenever it is in in a few months' time. Poetry in motion on the Blood Red Channel.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and it. But it's it, it could be a great opportunity for some up and coming young players to play in in, in, a, in a Champions League fixture, which would just be extraordinary experience for them, Dan, wouldn't it? But it's also a timely reminder, isn't it, about how fragile football is when you see AC Milan on one point at the bottom of of you know what we all looked at in a group and thought this is a deadly group. It's not a particularly happy group mm. uh, to be in. Atletico Madrid, Porto are too shabby. AC Milan. But um, they really have gone off the boil, mate, haven't they? And and, and champions so many times, and yet struggling to to well. I mean, they can mathematically still get out the group. They've got to win every game mm-hmm. and have every game go against them, uh, go their way. But um, extraordinary, isn't it, and how fragile it is, mate, to go from that to that.
0: Yeah, I think I'm right in saying this was this was actually AC Milan's first Champions League campaign for a few years, maybe five, six, seven years. So I think to a certain degree. There was almost... I mean, you know, obviously, they are a club. Well, they only, what, they're only one of only two clubs on the planet to have won more, more European cups than us, aren't they? Um, and only by one, I think they're on seven, we're on six now. Yeah. Um, so, at, at the same time, remembering what we were like when we went back in a couple of years ago, there was certainly an element of, you just made up to be in it again. and not happy to fart around with Thursday nights in the Europa League. But you're, you're Liverpool, you're AC Milan. If you're in a competition like that, your pedigree, your heritage your history means that you're not there to make up the numbers. Oh. Yeah, I thought they played quite well at Anfield, to be honest. We only beat them 3-2. Uh, we were losing at half-time. Um, I mean, to be honest, I, I, would, if, 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 I don't really care that much, but if, if you had to have a choice of which of the other three teams I'd like to see go through, it probably would be Milan. I've got nothing against Porto. Athletic, I think, we, you know... I didn't particularly, like, in, in, either, in either leg, you know, a sizeable proportion of their team didn't take the knee. Beforehand, which you know is is not exactly a particularly edifying spectacle, but I think you know I, I would like I would like Milan to go through, if, they, if you know if, if they're able to. However, obviously by a country mile, my main focus and perspective is on is on Liverpool, and you know like Mark said, when the draw came out, out of the top seeds, Atletico were the one that uh, that made me wince the most when we drew them out because obviously not just two years ago, even even remembering back to under Rafa um, when, when we played them. 2009, we got to the quarters. I remember two very difficult games against against them. Then they nearly won Anfield that year. I think it would be a very late Stephen Gerrard penalty saved us. Um, so for us to beat them home and away, you know, then you know they're not Brazil 1970. They're never going to play this free flowing, ethereal football that, that people like to see. But they're very obdurate, difficult uh, opposition to play against. And so to you know, so to give them two good beatings home and away, I think we'll. I think just add a little. A, a, I think it says there's maybe an extra dimension to the Liverpool side that you know, and it's, this is maybe part of propped evolution. You know, we started off with the heavy metal football, and then a little bit more of a kind of more circumspect, um, organised uh, system as things went on, and maybe little by little we are starting to add a little bit more street smarts to our to our play, which let's face it, we're going to need um, certainly in Europe, but also in the Premier League because. We are at a, you know, a competitive and financial disadvantage to our main title rivals in, in City and Chelsea. I seen, you know, they have these daft, confused simulations all over the gap now, don't they? I've seen an article earlier this week saying they'd simulated how the title race was going to go and there was going to be one point between the top three teams. And it wouldn't surprise me if it, if it was... I don't know if it'd be that tight, but I don't think there'll be a lot in it. So whatever little advantage Liverpool can gain between now and the end of the season, both home and abroad, we've got to take. And I think we're starting to see signs that maybe that maybe that's that's something that's developing within the squad and the team.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I always take um, computer simulations in the same breath as psychic octopuses in World Cups. You know, what oh, I mean, it's yeah. <laughs> it's one of those, isn't it? But one thing is for sure, Mark, with Liverpool, whatever game Liverpool play, uh, certainly this season, they are becoming uh, one of those teams that no one else in Europe is going to want to face them. Arty, let's let's face it, if you're getting polls out the hat's against Liverpool and that's what we want we want to put that fear into European and we, we have been doing it for quite a while but certainly this season again it looks like they're back to the very very best don't they, Mark
2: yeah I mean I think it was if you listen to any of the BT uh, commentators or pundits after the game you know Anfield away for the second leg is probably the most feared fixture in all of European football I think last season when fans weren't there that magic that spot wasn't, wasn't there but now the fans are back the crowd's there and the I, the of spice of you know, vast majority of the people going that ground haven't been there for over a year, especially on a European night. You no, know, it's just going to make the atmosphere all the more special, and you, know, you could see that. You know, against Athletico last night, albeit I wasn't there, but you could just feel the atmosphere that it felt like a straight knockout. And you know, even though the situation of the group, even before the game, you know, nine points out of nine, the situation of the group was very, very healthy. You know, they could afford to lose that game and still probably qualify in the next game against Porto. So, you know, the fact that they Qualify with two games to go it makes it even more more special than when they play against Porto in the next game at home. You know, I'm, I imagine it might not be at quite as frosty because of you know the Suarez factor, the Simeone factor that obviously added to it. But you know, Anfield on a European night is you now obviously I'm coming from a rose tinted glasses here, but like, it is probably the most the toughest game for an opposition player to come. It just probably is. I mean, you have, you have to take my word for it. You know, anybody in. You no, know, across, you know, Arsene Wenger said it, you know, anybody from a Man United perspective has probably said it, and, you know, anybody in Europe will say it, you know, or some other games in Europe, you know, Bayern Munich will probably be a tough one, you know, Real Madrid, all these guys that you know, were probably some other teams who, like, you might not think are one of the big boys, but you know, they when they get them on their home patch, they are tough. But Liverpool under at Anfield on the Champions League night, they just it is very, sounds cliche, because, but it is true. You know, it is very, very different to any other experience in, in world football. And, you know, it's not just a myth that us Copites say all the time just to make ourselves feel a bit better. It is true. that they, everyone else feels it. And you no know, doubt any team who qualifies. I mean, I think most teams will probably want to top their group just so they avoid having us um, if they finish runners up.
1: Yeah, it's going to be an interesting one. And again, we we have just touched on it, but I think it's important to stress that because we've finished top of the group so early, because we've 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 nailed the four games, it does mean that there are vital rests for players, and I think we're going to need them. When you look at the fixtures coming up, Dan, you 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 pointed to it before. West Ham has now become—I mean, always I feel a fairly decent, happy hunting ground for Liverpool, really, isn't it? But they are um, a much more determined side, a much stronger side to try to get to break down. And um, we've got West Ham on Sunday, and then. Um, and then Arsenal, but thankfully Arsenal's at home. But West Ham's gonna be a tough game, Dan, isn't it? Very much so. Well,
0: I mean, you know, they've been one of the you know, I think David Moyes deserves an awful lot of credit. I don't can't imagine I was the only Liverpool supporter that slightly sniggered when he ended up there and kind of thinking, well, it's you know, jobs for the boys, he'll do in the he'll do the rounds of all these kind of journeymen clubs now, Newcastle, Tottenham, all the rest of them. And he's you know, if, if I was an Evertonian, I would be looking at I would be looking over and thinking I wouldn't mind a bit of that um, for, for our lot, you know, particularly at the state that they're in at the moment. Um, I think I'm right in saying Liverpool are only two points ahead of West Ham, so if, so they will be very much winding themselves up and thinking, well, if we can beat <laughs> Liverpool, who obviously have shown some signs of some vulnerability at times this season, they would actually go above us into second place in you know ahead of the international break. As you as you said, Bitsy, I think certainly the new ground. Um, where they play, uh, the, old Olymp- the old London Olympic Stadium, has been a relatively happy hunting ground for Liverpool so far. I think I'm writing to say we, have, we haven't lost there yet, although there was quite a costly draw, a 1-1 away draw, in the, in the year that we got 97 points and finished second. Um, but, I, you know, it, it's I, I think it's it, it, three or four years ago today that Liverpool went there and, and won. I think the first two times we went there, we, we scored four, one of, the, one of which was a very a crucial end-of-season game. And then I think the second season, under you know when 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 Salah was just starting to really hit his straps, so it's a, it's a it's a really hard game. Um, you know, Mikhail Antonio is one of the most um, effective front men in the Premier League. He's given us some really hard games in the past. Declan Rice is one of the is without a doubt one of the best young best young midfielders, and um, possibly someone Liverpool might be looking at because I, I certainly think our rivals. You know, in the, in the in the Premier League, will be you know, it's hard to hard to imagine him staying at West Ham for too long. Um, Fabianski in goal, you know, he, he's not a bad keeper. But you always see he's got a bit of a mistake, and he, he's threw he's thrown in a couple against us before. But Liverpool will have to go there and be really prepared to have to deal with everything West Ham have to throw at them. But I'm sure Klopp, uh, if not that they'll need it, Klopp and Linders and all the rest of them will be reminding them that they're a better team than West Ham and West Ham will come and have a go but they will very much be aware that Liverpool have the ability to hurt them um, and I think it'll be a cracking game I think it'll be very tight but certainly on the back of last night um, you've got a fancy Liverpool to go there and win and hopefully send us all into the thank God the last interminably tedious international break of the season uh, in good heart because I I always kind of think you want a good result going into a break you don't want to be stewing on a bad loss for two weeks so, hopefully, we'll, Liverpool will return from London on Sunday evening with, with three points in the bag.
2: Poetry in motion on the Blood Red Channel.
1: Um, Yeah, absolutely, mate. Uh, uh, so, West Ham. Then we've got three home games back to back there. We've got Arsenal, we've got Porto, and then we've got Southampton. Interesting last night, uh, Timis, um, Timiscus is a really good replacement for Andy Robinson. Isn't he? Andy Robinson? I feel if I'm going to be really, really kind of uh, picky about it, seems to have dipped in form just a smidge. Um, still delivering the stuff, but I just feel like it's, it, it, he's raised the bar of his own levels of, of performance so high that he's dipping under them just a little bit. So I have um, Simiskas coming in there, uh, or Simicas, however you want to pronounce it, coming in. Uh, he's doing a great job, Mark, isn't he?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think he was probably one of the most consistent performers against Atletico. Albeit, you know, the second the second half was a bit ran out a bit of a canter, wasn't it? You know, it was basically a training exercise. But in the games, is coming before that. I think. You know, I think I've seen a start. You know, Liverpool haven't conceded a goal while he's been on the pitch this season, and he's played a handful of games. You know, you know some may not be against the biggest teams, but he certainly held his own. I think. they're you know, having a season where. You know, last year obviously he came in and you know we didn't didn't play very much. I don't think I think he only played about two or three minutes in the Premier League all season. That Robertson played all all the rest of it. Um, you no, know I mean this criticism of Robo, I think it's a bit. You know, I think it's just because of his high standards and how high we hold him. That you know, if it dips even marginally below that, that people might get on his back a bit. But I won't be too concerned of that. You know, he has played a lot of football. I know that's an easy an easy way out, but you know he has he has. Um, I think it'd be good for him to to get have him spell out of the team, but i still expect him to to start against West Ham because, like Dan said, they they are going to be, you know, a very very tough game. It'll be one of the toughest games that Liverpool played this season, given that they've already played Man City, Chelsea, and United. Um, you know them on the home patch. You know, David Moyes has set them up really really well. I think the addition of Kurt Zouma at centre back has been a massive addition for them. I think since he's gone in, to design them from he signed from Chelsea, they've become. A different team, certainly much more solid defensively. And you know, Antonio gets a lot of the credit there up front for scoring the goals, but they've got some quality players up front as well. You know, for nows is a good player who are like Ben Rama, Jared Bowen, who also has been linked with Liverpool. I'll we'll see what happens there. But, uh, you know, um, to, well, I don't expect Simcast to start against West Ham, but you know, the fact that he is there, the fact that the option is there, you know, I think it was in that like, first two or three years of having Robbo as a as left back, we know, basically had to settle with either. James Milner coming in or Alberto Moreno for the first two years. So it's certainly an upgrade in terms of the backup. And, you know, we've seen some arguments on various social media sites like you now see, or is Simicast first choice now? I certainly won't go that far, but, you know, he's certainly enabled deputy that when the time comes to give Robertson rest light last night against um, Gethlatko, ahead of a big league game against West Ham on Sunday, you know, he is there and he can do a steady job because not only is he quality play, he knows the way we play, he knows that what to do as to fall back in that role, you know, there are going to be times when I think, I guess i thought go, go last night, you know, Trent was basically playing as a right-sided midfielder, and it was basically we were playing over the back three, so you, know, you have to be able to play in that system, and Simicast now, having been there for over 12 months, he's learnt the ropes, he's learnt from all the best left-back in the game, and now you know, he's filling the role perfectly well, and I can't see him. I've dipping too much, and you know the fact that he's there now just gives much more options, especially when we're crying about you now the lack of options in midfield. You now it's good to have some more in defence.
1: Yeah, absolutely, that's exactly my point, mate. I mean, I don't think for one second he's he's ahead of of Andy Robertson in the pecking no, order because Andy Robertson brings much more to the table in terms of just gene up the team and. Uh, you know, uh, uh, on the pitch kind of vocals and uh, and the stuff with Jordan Henderson. But, I mean, you touched on it uh, briefly, Dan. Um, we are entering into, after those four games, I mean, an extraordinary run of, of games in such a short time. It's exactly what I'm talking about with this kind of sh- squad strength. Starting with the derby, the 1st of December, with the derby at Goodison, uh, we then have nine games in the month of december i mean it's it's extraordinary it averages one every three days doesn't it we've got everton in the first of december and then we've got wolves away they're both away Everton's away wolves away fourth of december milan again one of them games hopefully where we can say you know bit of a dead rubber let's get some of the young ones in there to try and rest the team we've got villa at home after that on the 11th of december then the 16th of december Liverpool, newcastle another home game Tottenham away, nineteenth of December to be interesting to see how they are doing in their current situation with the new manager. Of course, if Conte takes over from them, or do they have a interim one? I'm not really sure how quickly that's going to get together. Uh, and then we have the uh, quarterfinals of the uh, of the Carabao Liverpool Leicester. Then Liverpool leads twenty. That's the twenty second. Liverpool leads the twenty sixth, finishing on the twenty eighth of December. Le- uh, Leicester Liverpool away is it's an extraordinary and then when you bear in mind just after Christmas our first game back the second of January is Chelsea away. Chelsea
0: away. Yeah. I mean they say they say down. there's
1: no no such thing as easy games in this league but that is that is a picture fixture pile up that you wouldn't wish on your worst enemy isn't
0: it? It's heavy it's heavy duty you But this is what comes with the territory if you're a big club and you want to be in the mix for all the top prizes. Um And this is why it was so important for Liverpool to get get Europe sorted last night so that they can at least (laughs) take a little bit of the foot off the gas um, in in that regard. I mean, it'd be really interesting to see what Klopp does with the the quarterfinal of the League Cup because there's a lot of games in January. Um, I I believe I'm right in saying that the the, the League Cup has now reverted back to a two-legged semi-final. Which I don't, you know. I mean, and I'm old school. I, mean, you know, I, I like two-legged semi-finals. I like FA Cup semi-finals on neutral grounds. But in the modern game, when so many managers, not just Klopp, don't take the domestic cup seriously, I just don't. Bringing back two-legged semi-finals isn't going to help. Particularly at a time when a the transfer windows open, which is a big bloody distraction anyway, and also all the African players will have will have got off to the African Nations Cup. So I mean, you know, that, that's we kick that down the kick that can down the road a little bit for now. I think, you know, you need things to go your way, not just injury-wise, but form-wise. I think back to the, the 1st of December 2018. Uh, I think I'm right in saying, it, which will be the same date as the derby this year. So, it'll be three years on. And Liverpool were looking at, again at a whopping December of eight matches. And this was the match when, as we'll never forget, Divock Origi took advantage of Jordan Pickford's little arms and scored the freakiest Merseyside <laughs> derby goal ever. And and Liverpool won, I think, for the first time in in their history. Liverpool won every game yeah. in December, you know, eight out of eight. Now it's a big ask, but it's, it's a big ask to, to you know to to, to to expect that to happen again. But this is what this this is this is the level that Liverpool have been at. Um, I think it's important to remember as well that you know the likes of City and Chelsea, like City, aren't in the League Cup anymore. Chelsea, Chelsea, are aren't
2: they? Yeah, Chelsea are in it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, so this is the territory, and it's not—it's not a new thing, is it? Do you know what I mean? This, you know, maybe Klopp's first season or two, he might have been slightly shocked by the lack of a winter break, which obviously he'd have been used to in Germany. But he's been here for four or five years now. You know, the the, the science, the medical people, you know, the data, all the analysts—I'm sure they will have the team well prepared in terms of the nutrition, the rest, the rehab, all the rest of it to try and navigate this testing spell as best they can. But it, it's
1: it's a slog, but welcome to winter football in England. Yeah, absolutely, mate. I mean, like you say, you bring it on because it comes to the test, so it means you're doing something right, doesn't it? Let's face it. All right, very, very quickly, Mark and Dan, give us a prediction. West Ham, Sunday, half 4 kickoff Um at their stadium. What do you fancy? What's the result, mate? Mark First.
2: Uh um, no, I mean me personally, I'm very very pessimistic. So I'm probably not the best person to to ask these sorts of things. I mean, no, the optimist. I don't think personally, I don't think we'll keep a clean sheet, not because of us. Although we have been a bit vulnerable, um, conceding goals bar in the Atletico game, but you know, just because of the strength of West Ham, I think they're going to be very very tough to keep out on the home ground. But in the short answer, I will say three one Liverpool. Okay, Danke. He's literally
0: took the words out of my mouth. I was going to say three one Liverpool. So. Complete the trio, go on
1: 50. I'm gonna day. go 3-0 Liverpool. How dare you! Go on, lad! Yes, we're gonna concede. No, yeah. Three-nil. I just think Liverpool at the moment are just doing that wonderful balanced thing where they're just they're getting a lot of chances and they're putting them away. We've always got lots of chances, but I feel like there's a confidence level there where we're putting them mm-hmm. away a lot better. Uh, so I can I can easily see three. Uh and um and just with Matic back in the team alongside Van Dijk. Uh, I think we've got a strong back four there. If Fab's back in, there in the middle, I think we're going to be very, very hard to concede again. So I'm going to go 3-0, 3-1, 3-1, 3-0. Either way, three points for the Mighty Reds is what we want. Dan Kay, it's always a pleasure, my mate. Great to see you. Speak to you soon, okay. pal. And Mark, thanks a lot, Indeed. mate. I'll see you again yeah. soon. Uh, thank you to all you listening once again. Appreciate it. Thank you to the producer as well. Everyone who uh, took part in poetry in motion. Onwards and upwards with the Mighty Reds, and we'll see you all again soon.
0: You've been listening to the Poetry in Motion podcast on the Blood Red channel.